Welcome to the Feed Long Lunch. It's where we like to take a slightly deeper dive into conversation with some of our guests, exploring New Zealand's food stories, personalities and future. So grab a plate, a snack or a glass and join us for a slightly bigger slice of the conversation. And then remember to join us at thefeed.co.nz for more. new cooking school, Good From Scratch, a cooking school and farm out in Murawai, Auckland. And I think that's probably where you are joining me from this morning. Is that right, Michael? It is, and it's a drizzly old Auckland morning too. It is, but, you know, warm and wet, so things in your garden, I imagine, are growing like crazy. Including the weeds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone once described owning a, 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 a small farm as weed farming, which I think probably is is probably right. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. The the old uh, lifestyle blocks, slave style block, no life block. You know, one of those. <laughs> one of those. I imagine you're used to hard work, though, and you must be hopping from foot to foot to get this open. Because have you been affected by COVID, or is it just so happened that uh, you are opening this at the end of the COVID lockdowns? Well, we we opened uh, the school. We purchased the farm. Uh, over six years ago. Uh, it was Labour Weekend six years ago. And um, we completed the school two years ago. So we opened, I think, in January. And then we went into lockdown in April. So that was the first one. Mm. And, you know, apart from the the huge emotional strain of what we were going through and how bad it was going to be and what was happening and as and as the world collapsing and as you know, everything going to go wrong we were actually kind of in a way relieved because the minute we got here 6 years ago we hadn't stopped and then we built the school and that was a mammoth task you know it's it's a huge building and um and then we kind of went after the first week, we we're like, actually, we we can actually get through our list of ten million things we've got to do, and yeah. uh, and actually start to put a dent into it. <laughs> so yeah, whilst I wouldn't want to go through it again, uh, it, it had its benefits. So uh, tell us about the school. Yeah, first of all, who's going to attend? What what kind of people are you aiming the school at? It it is absolutely, and and I think. You know, we if I if I cast back to when we first opened our restaurant, um, which was called Moulton and Mount Eden in Auckland, and everyone was like, you know, what, what's your cuisine? What's your clientele? Who are you going for?" Um, and we were we were open to absolutely everyone, and I think it it brought me back to my teachings when I was working in London for a, a restaurateur in London called Terence Conrad, and he was like, "For a restaurant to work, it needs to be busy." It needs to be full, lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner. We need to attract a whole pile of people. We can't just go for one little uh, wedge out of the uh, out of the entire pie. We've got to go for the whole pie. Mm. And so we had to write a menu and we had to balance that menu to attract as many different tastes as possible. And, and also, like on a price point, that was affordable. And so that's what we did with Moulton. And you know, I think it was it was a success. Um, we were full lunch and dinner, and then we went. Um, our passion was always to open uh, good from scratch, and we've followed that same ethos through. 
the school is open to absolutely everyone. You you may not even know how to use a knife. You may not know, you know, how to cut an apple. You may not know how to peel a cucumber. Um, or you might be a really confident cook. Anyone can come. Anyone from kids through to um, uh, to, to to elderly people who just want to come and look at the gardens. So yeah. absolutely everyone. Wonderful. And the, and the how does the program work? Uh, you, do you have a kind of a, a half day, full day, hour? How have you Yeah, up we. So we, we run we run a series of classes. Um, so I guess the shortest of the class would be what we call the garden. It's a, it's a garden class where you run. It's predominantly in and around the garden. So we have an amazing gardener here called Adrian. Um, she does an amazing job, and she's really kind of focused on. You know, nothing leaves the gardens. Everything gets used. Everything goes back into the ground. And so the garden classes are very popular. Um, through to what we call Taste of the Farm, which just gives you a little insight into the gardens, and then you come back to the school. Uh, the chef um, uh, does a short little demonstration in and around what they've collected from the gardens, and then you sit down and have a lovely lunch. So that's you know, that's for people that are possibly short of time who don't want to get involved in regards to you know picking up knives or cooking. They just want to come and feel at ease on the farm and and learn something about food and gardening. Mm. And then we have the experience class, which is the, the entire the entire day. And, it, and you immerse yourself in everything here. You, here. you arrive at nine, you leave at five, and most people leave exhausted because they, they've had so much information, but they leave exhausted uh, with a, a new drive, well, I hope, with a new drive, new passion to get out there <laughs> and, and do some cooking. Is there a theme, uh, you know, a particular, um, I, don't, I don't know, uh, uh, origins theme or particular ingredients that you're focused on? The, 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 the taste and the experience, uh, the theme is what is coming out of the gardens at that particular time of the year. So, you know, right now we're in spring, we've got lots of strawberries coming through, we've got our tomatoes starting to come through, we've got lots of radishes, we've got some Asian vegetables, um, we've got our artichokes starting to come on, we've got garlic that's in the ground, we've got, there's a lot of things happening in the ground at the moment, but we're not necessarily harvesting a lot. Um, and so right now it would be around spring, it will be about uh, maybe lighter eating, um, and then when we run into winter we do more braising dishes, but then... We also throw in other classes into the mix um, so that, you know, the taste and the farm experience are two classes that are driven purely by what's available on the farm on that particular day that you come. And then we do other more focused classes, which are uh, lamb smoke fire, pig smoke fire, venison smoke fire, fish smoke fire. And so... Going by the name, you know, the, the, the main part is, you know, the lamb, the pig, the venison, the fish. We have a butcher here, which breaks down the, the entire, um, if it's a lamb, you'll break down the entire body. Hmm. Along with the butcher, we're really hands-on. You know, we, we give you the knives. We go, right, this is how we're going to do it. Let's get involved. Uh, but if you also want to just sit back and just watch, then you can. But, you know, the lamb smoke fire is, is one of the more popular classes. We, we had two this week. Well, sorry, two last week, and um, and they're just fantastic because you start the day with this this body, this beast hanging in the middle of the room, and you finish it with just some bones, and you know throughout the day you are showing, you know, braising, roasting, 
making ribs, cold smoking, hot smoking, uh, American-style barbecues, uh, pizzas, ovens, cooking over wood, cooking with fire. And so we kind of, I think our, our theme in regards to those classes is we do nothing modern. We, we take it back to we take it back to fire hmm. and smoke and preserving. So our food is served in a very modern, contemporary way, but we're using old techniques and techniques that drive flavor into the meat through marinades and rubs and pickles and fire, which I think is the most amazing thing to cook on fire. It's a little bit problematic. It's, uh, it's hard work, I won't lie. Um, we go through a lot of wood here. <laughs> I think I think half the lockdown I spent on the log splitter, but cooking over wood is just the most magical way to impart flavour. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a connection between the food truck and this? It just seems like they're such different projects. Very How much they so. come from the same sort of fevered imagination, yeah. but is there a link? Uh, the, the link will be, you know, the food truck was all about taking fast food and producing it yourself. Yeah, the, the idea was if I could produce food out of this little truck, um, then you can do it at home. And the truck itself was our, was our method and our vessel to get the food out to uh, different parts of the country. And that's where, that's where the truck was so brilliant. Yeah, we could take the truck over to Waikiki Island. We could take the truck down to Akaroa. We could take the truck up to, you know, uh, uh, I remember we went up to um, the hot pools up in um, just past uh, Oriwa. I forget the name. Waiwera. Waiwera hot Waiwera. pools. And we just parked on the side of the road and like a little pull-off. And, uh, and that was part of the seafood episode. And we just, honestly, we just pulled off the side of the road and we set up, we opened up the sign and went, we're open. And we just filmed the people that arrived. And so the, the food truck was all about fast food. Um, instead of going out and buying it, let's give it a go. Let's try and do it ourselves. Where, the, where, the, the, where Good From Scratch is along those lines. However, we're actually gone one, we've gone one step further where we're actually growing the produce. Mm. Your show, Eat Welfare Less, you really put you in touch with ordinary New Zealanders and you got to see right inside their fridges and their shopping trolleys. And I suspect that you probably discovered this uh, real breakdown in understanding the, of gate-to-plate thinking of where does food come from. Has that improved over time or, or is it getting worse? Are we, are we even more separated now from our sources of food? <laughs> well, I've seen some things on that show, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy wow, it's just incredible. And, you know, like being brought up on a farm, you know, we were, I was brought up on a chicken farm. And so we, we had chicken six nights a week because chicken, we had lots of chicken. We had 30,000 chickens. And uh, it's a lot to get through, isn't it? It was a lot six nights a week of chicken, and and this is no you know tender, succulent, moist chicken. This is an old pot roaster (laughs) that uh went into the Dutch oven at 10 o'clock in the morning and we ate it at six o'clock at night. And there wasn't a lot left of it after that (laughs) eight hours of cooking. And um, yeah, but we used everything in, in the fridge, you know, maybe. You know, we're harping back to our, our Dutch, uh, our Dutchness, and you know, you've got to use everything. If it goes in the fridge, you've got to use it. 
Mm. Um, where you know, eat well for less has really has really opened my eyes up to you know just the sheer differences and and how people eat and how people perceive food and what they and you know a lot of these people use food as comfort. You know, it gives them almost a little bit of safety knowing that mm. you know, the mm. fridge is chock a blocker yet they're doing so much damage because you know the food there's too much food and they can't consume it like. We go into lockdown for 14 weeks. We're still kind of trying to get through our freezer, and we haven't brought any meat for you know 20 odd weeks. And so that that said to me it was like we had way too much food in here to begin with. Hmm. So you know, with eat well for less and and the disconnect. Yes, I think it's getting. Yes, I do think it's getting greater. However, I think the wheels are slowing down in regards to the way that we are buying food because it's becoming expensive. And so I think it's forcing us to kind of go, hey, maybe I'm not going to buy those red peppers out of season because they're $8.90. Hmm. Maybe I can use something else. And that's kind of where that show comes into its own because it's it's opening up people's eyes just a little bit, just in – regards to going to a supermarket and how we shop. Um, so, yes, that's, that, yeah. And, and the lack of, uh, I think what really struck me about that show was uh, how much pre-packaged and pre-prepared food as opposed to ingredients. And I guess that's kind of what you're doing with the cooking school, right? You're going, you're saying, let's make food out of ingredients, not out of pre-packaged stuff. Most definitely, because those, those pre-packaged stuff, you know, and and that and how they're placed in the supermarket, and we run through this on the show, and you know, it's where it's placed on the shelf, and and they have amazing packaging, you know, they they've got amazing, they they put a lot of science into, you know, what colours draw our eyes in, and mm. one of the biggest things on every single, nearly every single show that we did, and in every single shopping trolley, maybe bar two there were always these natural lollies and they were in bright pink packets. And, you know, yes, they were natural, but, you know, they were um, like soft jubes. Mm. And it was the packaging, I think, that did it because they all went for the same flavour and it was the packaging that drew them in. But sometimes, you know, also we want to, we want to have a chicken korma for dinner and we don't know where to start. And so this, you know, this delicious just add chicken is is a is a is a pretty easy sort of purchase. However, that you know that korma sauce may be full of salt, may be full of sugar. It's you know, it's it's reasonably authentic. However, to make it yourself is actually not that difficult. But you know, I speak as a chef, and a lot of people, well, you're a chef, you know how to do it, but. Honestly, you just buy a cookbook, a basic cookbook, and it'll give you a basic recipe. So yeah, I, I think the disconnect is getting greater, but I also think that those big food brands that are out there are getting smarter in regards to how they're packaging their foods. Uh, do they ever talk to you about how to improve the quality of their products? I, I, I think you do a bit of consulting, don't you, to the big I do. I do. Yeah, I work. Obviously, I've been a long, I've been a long time ambassador for for Weebix, um, going on almost coming up ten years now. I've been ambassador for for Weebix, um, and I also work with Green Meadows Beef, um, which is a, a family owned business down in Taranaki. 
mm-hmm. um, and and our ethos is very similar. You know, they they have the farm, they raise the beef themselves. The beef goes through their own um, production plant, um, and then it goes directly out into whether it goes to supermarkets or directly out to people's homes. So you know, they 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 are from you know right from the beginning. They they're able to trace it and. And it was amazing when I went down there when I first met the the family, Joe, and um, Joe was the father, took me onto the farm. And just the way he spoke about grass, you know, and, you know, the cows love this because of X, Y, Z. And I was like, I've never looked at grass that way before. (laughs) And it gave me a whole new passion in around, you know, what they were doing and just how much they actually cared about the animals. So, yeah, I I brought a lot of that back to to Mirawai with me. Uh, you have had uh, so many different expressions of what you do, whether it's on TV or uh, whether it's at restaurants and, and your consulting work. Is this the last incarnation? Are you settling down now to a bit of land and, and this is it? Or, you know, is there more to come? <laughs> I think there's always going to be more. I don't know. I have a, I have a huge drive. I, I can never kind of go – I can never sit back. Uh, and, and I feel if I'm if I don't stop driving, I'm not. I'm no longer going forward and I always want to keep going forward. However, the, the, the farm and the school is kind of what we want. It's what we want right now. And it's what we want for our kids as much as for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was saying, I was brought up on a farm and I loved it. You know, you know, being a boy, I was out hunting and finding things and trapping birds in my little homemade cages and then releasing them and doing all sorts of things on the farm, getting lost in the bush and, and and I want that for the for the girls, and yet you know the the girls are a lot different than what I was. You know the girls don't want to go. Although they they were going into the bush during lockdown, they were going foraging and looking for things. So you know they they I think they love it. I I hope that they'll look back uh, like I look back on my childhood with with fondness and mm. um, and and a good kind of grounded. Um, uh, a good grounded sort of sense of you work hard and you can achieve it. And my parents worked extremely hard. You know, dad did, was in those. Sorry. Well, I was just going to ask, where did you grow up? Now, t- tell me about, about your dad. Um, I was, we were born in uh, Massey on a poultry farm called Exchange Poultry Farm. And then when we were 10, we moved to Henderson Valley uh, west of Auckland uh, to another poultry farm. And so, you know, uh, the first farm, uh, moving 10, I didn't, I have, I have a few memories of that, but mainly, mainly the one in Henson Valley. And, and it was a great upbringing because Henson Valley was a, a kind of a tight little community, much like Mirawai is to us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the primary school was directly across the road. So it was pretty easy. Just walk across the road and you're at school. Uh, but what the poultry farm had, obviously, you know, with, 30,000 chickens comes a lot of chores. And so from a very young age, myself and my two elder sisters, uh, Monique and Elizabeth, we all worked every weekend because we had uh, a person that would collect the eggs during the week, but they were off on the weekends. And so that was our job to collect the eggs in the weekends. And 30,000 chickens lay a lot of eggs. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of collecting every single day. And so our weekends were taken up by that. Uh, and I used to shovel chicken manure. That was um, that was one of my jaws, and um, and it was great because you know we had to pay for the plastic bags and we had to pay for the steel ties, but the chicken manure was free. And 
And it was a great little business. We sell hundreds of bags in the weekend. Mm. And uh, and I I can remember, you know, if you've ever if anyone's ever shoveled chicken manure in their life, it, it has has to be apart from when you sell it and you see your little money box uh, full of coins. Apart from that, it's quite an unrewarding job because you start at the end of the, or at the beginning of this long line of mountainous chicken poo. And by the time you get all the way to the other end, which is possibly 60 or 70 meters, you look back and they're pretty much pooped up to the same level again. <laughs> it's like painting the Harbour Bridge. Oh, just a, oh like it's an incredible. You could... <laughs> and and so that work ethic has kind of continued. And um, is that uh, come from a place of, uh, you know, are you anxious about not succeeding or, or does, do you get a real kick out of achieving things? You know, what's your motivation? I, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I absolutely think it's a bit of both. Uh, very anxious about not, uh, not being able to succeed or, or, or very anxious about um, not wanting to fail. Uh, that came in very much in going back to the restaurant days, you know, at Moulton days, you know, there were some nights, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night, uh, cold, wintry night, and we would have half a dozen tables. And and I used to get into my car and drive around all the restaurants in Mount Eden and count the amount of people that were in there. And sometimes I'd come back more upset than when I left, and sometimes I'd come back and go, well, everyone's quiet, it's a quiet night. But if there were restaurants that were busy, then I'd be looking at them and I'd study them and I'd be like, why are they busy? You know, what's attracting them to this restaurant and not to ours? And so I was always changing. I was always looking. I was always trying to push for, for new dishes and try and keep in trend with what was happening. Mm. And, and also, you know, the things that were working, why are they working? I was always analysing. And, um, and we've kind of taken that to the school now, like after every class, you know, generally B and I, B, 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 my wife, we're, we're there for the classes. We don't do all the classes, but we do a lot of them. And at the end of the day, we kind of go, well, what, what worked today? You know, today was hard. Last week we had one class. It was particularly hard. And sometimes it's just, it's just that class, you know, the, there's a, there's a different dynamic within the class. So, Certainly driven by uh, wanting to succeed, uh, a fear of failing, and and I think a little bit of that Dutch sort of get in there, and and sometimes I find work is is a little bit of a relief for me. Um, mm. I I like routine. I like to get up in the morning at the same time. I like to go for a walk with Do- with Hector on the beach. Uh, I've got one hour. If I start from here, I get back to here. That will take me an hour. Then I'll be home at nine. Then I can have a coffee. Then I can do this for the morning. Then I can do that in the afternoon. But sometimes the the what the farm does is it throws curveballs at you. <laughs> it, you, know, you you may need longer to move those cows because they don't want to move, or you <laughs> you may have a sheep that is that has fallen sick, or you may have something that's gone wrong, or the electric fence breaks, or the ball you know, is not pumping water, or something goes wrong, or you blow a pipe, or and and it's those sort of days that are the chaotic days are the days I don't enjoy where some people mm. love those days, but yeah, not me. I like, I like structure and, and I really like to know what's going on because at the end of the day, if you have structure, I find you can actually get through things mm-hmm. and you can kind of get to the end of the day and go, yes, that's what I achieved. Um, but, but also I, uh, you know, I'm very hands-on. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you're very you know, you're committed and hardworking, but you seem to have a very natural rapport with people. And I, I'm get, guessing that you're an extrovert and you you get energy from being with people. And um, and so the cooking classes must be a, a, a joy for you, I imagine. Yeah, and 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 it's probably a little bit. Uh, you know, hospo is, you know, you, you have to be out there. You have to be, you have to enjoy people in hospo because that's what you're there for. You're there to look after people and and almost give them a little bit of yourself. So when they leave at the end of the day, they may arrive into the restaurant and, you know, they might be, you know, they might have had a shit day. They might have got stuck in traffic. Something didn't work for them that day. They turn up in a bad mood and you you've got to turn that around and get them to leave happily because if they leave in a bad mood they're probably not going to come back so you you almost give them a little bit of yourself and and that's what we enjoy doing we love to make people happy hmm. and so with the school I think you know I miss restaurants um, I have no intention really of having another restaurant because you know we've, we've come to that point of our life where we won't have another restaurant however I do miss that social aspect of restaurants and so when people come to the school it's like Yay, there's some new people here. Yeah. <laughs> you do you get a little bit of cabin fever when you're kind of out on a farm. You do get a little bit. Um, but the, the more you kind of buy yourself on a farm, well not by yourself, you know, we have people coming and going all the time, but you know, the lockdown period uh, I think has has caused a lot of people to kind of turn in a little bit mm. and, and almost be anxious about going out into the world. And so I kinda of have to be wary of that. Yeah. I was looking through your CV and just wondering if your experience in Ireland has had had any effect on your thinking about the farm, because um, you worked at a, at a place called Dunbrody Country House. Is, are there connections or lessons that you took from there? Absolutely, yeah. Dun, Dunbrody Country House was, was an amazing place. And, and while we were there, it actually um, we won Small Luxury Hotel of the World. Um, hmm. And it also earned a Michelin star in the period. We were only there for a year, um, but boy, it was it was a year. And and what they, that was our first after working in London for so many years, having the you know you order the produce at night time, it turns up in the morning, you start to prep. Well, you turn up at Dunbrody, and you write a menu purely out of what somebody's left at your back door. It might be. Salmon that have just that have just come out of Waterford out of the Waterford Harbour. It might be white asparagus. It might be some truffles. It might be a, a deer that's just been shot that's been dropped, uh, and and it might be you know what's coming out of the gardens. And so that was the first time we actually had to write a menu because of a because of the remoteness and b because the owner Kevin, who was a fantastic chef himself, yeah that that's he wanted people to experience Wexford. And they and he wanted them to experience that little part of Ireland, not hmm. only through the scenery but through the food, and and that was a big part of us doing what we're doing now because you know it, it forced us to think outside the box in regards to ingredients because some days we may just have potatoes. <laughs> it's like we're going to do a five course meal with potatoes, <laughs> and you know the Irish didn't complain because they loved their potatoes, but. You know, doing an entree main dessert with potatoes was reasonably challenging sometimes. Well, you've done it with chicken all your childhood, so. That's it, that's it. (laughs) Uh, So what's on the menu today? What are we, we're, as you say, we're at the, well, we should really be in summer, but we're tail end of spring. 
what what should we be eating? What could we be eating out at Murawai? Well, we've had we've had quite a bit of we've had quite a bit of rain. So yesterday it was it was wet. So right now we've we're not quite into tomatoes. You know, we've I think we've got about two hundred and forty tomato plants in the ground, maybe more. So they're they're only small. So at the moment we're still talking, um, probably still talking Asian greens. We're probably starting to come on to the beginning of some peas. We're probably starting, we've still got strawberries. Uh, however, the strawberries are kind of regrouping now. Um, so we actually are in between seasons. Hmm. We really are. We're not quite, we haven't quite hit that spring rush. Uh, brassicas are going up in price. Broccoli's going up. Collie's going up. Um, we're harvesting potatoes on the farm now, so potatoes are good. But just just around that corner, you've got corn coming, you've got cucumbers coming, you've got radishes coming, you've got tomatoes coming. So we're on that point of changing into uh, a whole new pile of food. But may not be before Christmas. So, you know, I'll, I'll just still be hunting for those. I'd still be hunting for the for the specials. And, and when you walk into a supermarket or when you walk into your fruit and veggie shop, just go for what's on special. Because if it's on special, it's in season. And just work your way backwards. Go, right, instead of having a plan going, right, tonight, tonight we're having beef tacos with corn. You turn up at the supermarket, corn's not quite ready. It's still $6 a cob. You may need to change it. You might have to go, wow, actually, those red peppers are quite cheap. I might go for them instead. So I think at this time of the year, we have to be quite open with what we're getting. Because, honestly, the supermarkets are probably just keeping up with what we're wanting. Hmm. Good. In season and two seasons. It's lovely talking to you. And um, how where's Murawai for those that don't know where it is in relation to Auckland? Uh, so we're forty minutes northwest. So you leave uh, leave Auckland Central on the northwestern motorway. Um, you get to the end of that. You go through an, a town called Kumiu, uh, and then Huapai, and then Waimauku, and then that brings you to a big roundabout you turn left and you head out towards us so if you were to fly into Auckland you'd fly in over the sometimes over the Manukau Bar Mm. Uh, and so that area there is if you go north from that coast from that west coast you would have Whadapu probably missing a few you'd go Whadapu, Bethels no you'd go Whadapu, Piha, Bethels and then Miruai so uh, Miruai Beach is incredible it is incredibly warm at the moment, but the beach itself is incredible, and it's mm. it's over fifty kilometres long, and yeah, you know, people don't realise just how long Middlewai Beach is, and to drive from the bottom to the top, which we've done a number of times, it takes you about an hour. Mm. So yeah, the the top, the the whole beach is incredible, but it's it's going through a lot of change at the moment. It's extremely busy. There's a lot of a lot of traffic on the beach, and. Um, it's getting to that tipping point. I think it's, yeah, they, they're probably going to have to look at how they control it. Hmm. Anyway, well, we look forward to uh, coming out and visiting you on the farm. And um, good luck, you know. Let's yes. hope you have a great summer ahead. And it's like, thanks so much for joining us on the feed. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And I, and I look forward to seeing everyone coming out. And, and remember, make a weekend of it. There's plenty of places to stay out here. So, you know, don't just come for... Yeah, a, a day's class. Come for for an experience. Stay the night. Go to the beach the next day. Go horse riding. Play golf. There's heaps to do out here.